Welcome back to Unsolved Self. I'm Michelle and and I'm Maddie. Hope everybody had a wonderful week or however long it's been. Um, Maddie. At least two. <laughs> did anything exciting happen with you since we last recorded? Uh, yeah, I got a new baby. It's a cute kid. Yeah. It does look a little bit like an old man. Well, now he's got a little more, uh, cheeks. Yeah. He was looking like Skeletor for a second there. Yeah, he didn't have his little baby fat because he wasn't cooking long enough. But now, yeah. now he's put on a little cheek weight and he's getting much cuter. But he was oh, yeah. cute when he was born, but he did look a little bit like an old man. Yeah, he did. Okay, so, um, I have a weird-ish story. Just in the... The mm-hmm. fact that, like, some of this stuff I didn't even know was a thing. So, when I heard about the story and I first started my little research, it is, this is not what I had anticipated was happening. <laughs> so, I'm just going to leave it at that. And we'll get started okay. when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. On a chilly February night in 1996, Gail Chilton woke up from a nightmare. Her beautiful... 18-year-old daughter, Melissa, had been murdered. She woke up, understandably, very on edge. She told her husband, Gary, about the dream, and he encouraged her to go lay eyes on their daughter so that she could ease her mind. Melissa was in her second semester as a freshman at Middle Tennessee State University. She was majoring in psychology, and Gail had... Gail had a class of her own that evening. She was studying real estate, but when she got done with her class, she made the trip. She went and she surprised her daughter at her dorm room, and they went out to dinner together, and Melissa was wondering why the midweek visit. So she asked, you know, what's up, Mom? Why are you here? And Gail told her about the dream and how vivid and real that it had felt. She confessed um, that she was still worried and she felt like something was wrong. Melissa tried to ease her mother's mind. She said, Mom, I'm okay, I promise. But in her gut, Gail knew something was off and she had this terrible feeling she just could not shake. Melissa had was a former cheerleader. She was very popular. She had won the Spirit Award for the most school spirit in high school. She was sweet. She was generous, smart. She did not have an enemy in the world, probably. Her mother... Probably. <laughs> you never know. Her mother <laughs> didn't really have any reason to doubt her. So... She received these reassurances from Melissa, and Melissa promised that she was going to check in more often and that she was going to make a trip home real soon. And so Gail left. I mean, what else could she do, right? A week later, on February 22nd, Gail was enjoying a late lunch when she got a page to call home. When her son answered the phone, he handed the the phone off to a neighbor who happened to be the sheriff of Smith County. That neighbor told her that something had happened to Melissa and that he needed her to call the chaplain for the Nashville metro area. She knew immediately what that meant and she said, that means she's dead. And he responded, I don't know, you, you just need to call the chaplain. Gail called and was told to meet her husband at Memorial Hospital, and he would be there with the chaplain. And when she walked in, she saw the chaplain and her husband beside him, and he was, he was crying. The chaplain started to tell her that Melissa had been found dead, but Gail stopped him. He had to be mistaken because Melissa wouldn't be in Nashville. She was in Mur... I'm going to mess this name up. Murfreesboro which was about an hour away from Nashville, a little less. But he said, no, ma'am, she's been identified. Gail was confused, identified by who? The chaplain responded, by the business owner. Wait, what business owner? Wait, what? He responded with the name, and Gail knew immediately 
what the place was. She had not been there, but she had driven by it. When she was on the way to the hospital, a friend drove her because she was understandably upset. And on their yeah. way down, they had driven down Church Street and they passed this business. And they had seen all the police tape and the heavy police presence. And the friend asked, do you think that has something to do with Melissa? But no, there was no way Melissa would have been there. She was a good girl. She was in college. Gail still bought her shampoo for her. No, not her Melissa. But sometimes people do things that surprise you. And it, Yeah, and what kind of friend asked that? Like, you know your friend's upset in the passenger seat. Ooh, you see that crime scene? That's got to do with your daughter. Yes, like, that might have been iffy. What the hell? So, even though people do stuff that surprises you sometimes, it doesn't make them bad people. But sometimes it is hard for a parent to wrap their head around their child doing something so out of character. And let's talk for a second about this business. This was okay. an adult entertainment establishment. and it, But it, like I said, it was one that was actually new to me. And I, I thought I had known a lot of stuff. But I had never heard of such. This was exotic tan for men. Ooh, what? Exactly. And so I did some research on it. And I swear, I need somebody to go through my um, my history if I die and just wipe my computer slap clean. <laughs> it, it was hard to figure out exactly what was going on here. Um, but I've deduced that it is a peep show type situation where the girls like dance for men i think there might be some kind of glass separation um i don't know honestly um i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around where the tanning comes in because it feels like certain areas would come out like super streaky yeah because like they're new dancing or I don't know, I guess, partially nude dancing for these men. I mean, I can't imagine they're, they're like, in the tanning bed when this is happening. Is this a spray tan situation? I was assuming it was a spray tan given to you by a woman in lingerie. Okay, so this was actually um, more of a peep show type situation where the girls danced. Oh, maybe they danced while they So, yeah, I don't know. So, I had a really hard time, like, kind of trying to figure out where the tan part come in. But, quick story, in my research, um, I ran across this question and answer forum. And this woman asked about the, it was a different um, tanning for men place. Mm -hmm. And, so, does that mean women can't go? Uh, like, will they be like, no, you're not a man, you have to leave, or is know. this like a, just the four men means it's dirty, and so, I mean, you can still go, but well, that's telling you it's dirty, or what? Can a woman go to a gentleman's club? Um, I think the strictly gentleman's club, like not strip club, but like where gentlemen go hang out and smoke cigars. No, I don't actually think you're allowed. But um, you can go in strip club. Yeah. But I don't think they call strip clubs gentlemen's clubs anymore, but some of them might. In any case, so there was this question and answer um, forum, and I was trying to figure out what was happening here because I'd <laughs> never heard of an exotic tan for men. And this woman asked, she was asking about a different tan in place for men. And she was like, her husband had seen it when he was out to lunch and that he had asked the restaurant owner and the restaurant owner just said, um, men went there for companionship, Ugh. but he didn't understand what that meant. Her husband didn't mm -hmm. understand because he's so innocent. And so, um, somebody answered the question and they were like, um, well, it's like a peep show 
women private dance for the men there. So the very next person tags the person that answered and was like, shut up, narc. <laughs> and then nobody else answered after that. What? <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> So, I guess nobody else wanted to be a narc because it was really difficult to figure out what this place was. So, um, anyway, that's what I've deduced, though. Um, Real quick, I just want to clarify that in no way do I judge anybody who has worked in or does work in um, this or any other adult establishment. People have a lot of different reasons for the stuff they do, and nine times out of ten, that ain't none of our business. For sure. And if you've got it and you can make money off of it, go ahead. Get your money, girlfriend. Yeah, I'm not I'm not judging anybody. Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear on that. Um but there is a stigma attached and I'm sure if you have or do work in one of these establishments that you know that there is a stigma attached that, Mm -hmm. you know, bad people work in these places and that's not true at all. I mean I'm sure there are some bad people that work there but there are bad people that work at mcdonald's in any case on the day that this happened the owner of the business had called repeatedly and nobody answered so he drove to the shop and he found melissa and her co-worker tiffany campbell both 18 dead on the floor they had been stabbed nearly a hundred times between them. Jeez. Police thought that it looked personal, saying uh, there was yeah. obviously a lot of yeah, um, there was obviously a lot of hatred and passion behind the stabbings, and they also believed that Tiffany was the target and that Melissa had just interrupted. Melissa had a lot of defensive wounds, and Tiffany really didn't. They considered Tiffany the target probably because she had more wounds and maybe because of her dating history, probably a little bit of both. Um, The first thing to know is that this place is open from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. What? So this is a a lot of daytime hours here. Tiffany and Melissa are working the, the day shift. What? So, this isn't like they're there in the middle of the night and somebody slips in to rob them and, you know, this is the day shift. And police narrowed down the time of the murders to between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. So, broad daylight. Yeah. They were found at 2 p.m., which was the end of the police timeline, just FYI. So, there was no forced entry. The murder weapon was not found at the scene, but there was a sheath for a military-style knife that got left behind. Mm -hmm. The security videos were removed from the store. Hmm. And the victim's IDs were taken along with a small safe. So I'm assuming the IDs are trophies. Maybe. So, who could have done this? Let's get into suspects. A co-worker? Although... Maybe not a co-worker. I I don't know. A bouncer. They didn't didn't have any security? Because if they were, wouldn't the security have also been murdered or have been witnessed? Yeah, that's what I was about... That's what I just realized. (laughs) Okay, so... I never saw him listed as an official suspect, but I want to look at the owner. He and Tiffany had gotten into an argument the night before the murders, and Mm. she was planning to quit. Mm. Melissa had also told people that she planned to quit. Wow, was it a bad work environment, or what? I imagine it, it wasn't. Like, the money was probably good, and I, and I think they said they made, like, um, I don't know if I included this in, in the story later or not. If I did, just ignore it. But um, I want to say they said they made, like, four or $500 a night, which is yeah, good money as a college student, you know? Yeah, So, right. um, 
Tiffany wanted to go back to school and get her life straight. Melissa just did not enjoy it and she had decided that she wanted to quit and later her mother found out from one of her friends that she actually had um, planned to quit and that she had wanted to tell her mother the night her mother came up to visit mm -hmm. about what was going on but since she decided she was going to quit she just decided it wasn't worth worrying her mother over yeah so she didn't Okay. Um, Always we'll get tell into some other somebody stuff. your business. Somebody needs to know. Well, that she she did. She just didn't tell her mama. Oh, so she did tell her friend. Yeah, because her friend told her mom that she had intended to quit and that she was going to tell her that night. Did she so. tell her why? <clears throat> um. Well, we'll get into some of that in just a second. Cause yeah, there were some reasons why. Okay. It was iffy. Um, the owner would not have had to force entry, so that would explain the no forced entry. To be fair, they would have opened the door to any customer also. I'm sure they didn't know yeah. everybody that came in. You can't sustain a business like that. So the no forced entry, yeah, he would not have had to force entry, but also would a customer have you know if somebody was posing no. as a customer they would not have had to force entry either I wouldn't imagine um, unless like I said there was some sort of separation and the customers and girls never were to come in contact and they forced themselves into that area um, something like maybe like a gas station you know how the gas station the clerks are yeah. behind the plexiglass and they're all in the store, but they're separated. So there may have been something like that going on. Mm -hmm. In which case, then the forced entry would have to have gone into their area, which a customer would not have been able to do, but the owner certainly would. And the owner would have known exactly where the video surveillance equipment was, but then again, to be fair, there are usually signs saying that you're under surveillance any time that this equipment's used. And yeah. I don't know if there are so much now, but I know back in the day, they used to have to put up these big yellow signs anytime you were being recorded. I think now you just kind of have to assume that if you're anywhere, you're being recorded. Oh, yeah. Um, and the equipment at that time would have used tapes. So somebody, anybody could have sussed it out and been like, okay, well, there's video surveillance. Let me go find it. Mm -hmm. You know, and they were DVR, I mean, DVD sized. So, I mean, um, tape size. I don't know. What is it called? Tape size. Yeah. Like a. I was like, I don't I think, think of the word. VCR? Yeah, VCR, VCR. Like, VCR <laughs> size. They were big. I was like, I Listen, don't think I'm there was DVDs you. at this point. Cause, uh, <laughs> no. There were not, there were CDs were coming out at this time. This was in that range. But any video recording would have been done. It was a decent sized machine, yeah. is my point. So, it wouldn't have been, like, hidden, and it wasn't like it was going to a cloud or anything. So, they would have took a tape. Gotcha. Anybody would have known that. Now, the owner identified them to the police, so him taking their IDs would not make sense. Unless, like you said, it was a trophy, but I don't know if that makes sense. Now, there's a restaurant right next door. And this happened right at lunchtime, right? Because it happened either, it happened after 11 a.m. before 2. So, this was happening right at lunchtime. How did nobody see yeah. anything? How did nobody see somebody coming out covered in blood carrying a safe? That in itself is weird to me. But if the person had a change of clothes in the store, like maybe the owner, or if... The neighbors were just used to seeing the owner come and go, so they just didn't take notice of him. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. 
here's my theory on him though maybe him and tiffany got into an argument and she said some stuff in anger like she was going to turn him in for some illegal stuff she knew was going on there were rumors that he was involved in human trafficking and that there were underage girls working at this establishment and that he was supplying his workers with drugs most of the employees were teens so he could have been influencing them to do some stuff they weren't really comfortable with and she may have called him out on it mm -hmm. and he decided he needed to get rid of her just to be mm -hmm. clear clear i pulled all of those scenarios out of my butt i don't know what they were fighting about i don't know if he was doing anything illegal all we know was there were rumors he did however pack up and head to texas pretty quick after the murders so there is that he packed up and went to texas <clears throat> yeah so he did leave Ooh, town. sketch okay did so, you see questions I'm sure he did, but I never saw him listed as a real suspect. Okay, but did like, he get cleared? I mean, he was able to leave and go to Texas, so I'm assuming so. Okay, Tiffany did a little bit of a sketchy job choosing men. Um, apparently, she enjoyed the bad boys. One of mm -hmm. them was the police's top suspect early on. Patrick Streeter was Tiffany's ex-boyfriend, and I believe they met in high school. He later went to prison for violent robberies against the elderly, if that tells you anything about what kind of dude what? he is. A yeah. douche? Police, <laughs> police knew about him, and um, they really were like they had their man he was it but they couldn't find any evidence and that changed though in 2013 when they had some advances in dna testing and it made it possible to connect streeter to some dna found at the, sh at the scene it was partial dna taken from the knife sheath but it was listed as a low possibility Okay. on the dna report so on the actual dna report it says he's listed as a low possibility but the police were like no nah, this is him now luckily he was still in prison um he had been in prison since 2002 for the armed robberies where he beat up old people and mm -hmm. so they had him sent to tennessee to stand trial on the double murder of Tiffany and Melissa. Now, during one of these initial hearings, Deborah, who is Tiffany's mom, had a very strong reaction. Gail said that she was visibly shaking when they left court because they attended court together and supported each other. She told Gail, I can't do this anymore. Deborah Edmonds died in her sleep that night of a heart attack. Oh my God, are you sure? Are you sure she died of a heart attack? Well, he was in jail, so I mean, I guess somebody else could have done something, no. but they said she I, had I'm a, a visible reaction. She did something. And had a heart attack? Like she poisoned herself or something. Oh, you think she may have. OD'd or did something. And we don't have any evidence that she was on any drugs or anything, but um, I imagine your going to your daughter's murder trial would be pretty stressful. So, yeah, but like maybe she took some is... blood pressure medicine or something, and I mean maybe. I don't know. But Gail said that she was having a strong reaction during the trial. Yeah. So she probably was having heart issues during the day, and they just rec didn't recognize it because of the stress of the trial. They just assumed it was panic or anxiety or something like that and didn't take it maybe as seriously as they should have mm -hmm. given the circumstances on what was going on. So. 
This trial drug on for five years. The entire time, and even to this day, Streeter maintained his innocence. He said he was at his mom's apartment at the time of the murders. Um, you remember a couple episodes back, we talked about how cell towers ping from one area where a call is made from? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... There was a seven-minute phone call made to Streeter's current girlfriend. She lived in Alabama. And it was made from the area where his mom lived. Hmm. This call was made at 11.22 a.m. And it was seven minutes long. That is inside the time frame of the murders. So his attorney, Kyle Mothershead argued that he would not have had time to place this call and then get to this this establishment and commit these murders. I don't want to act like we know more than the police do because we don't. They definitely have more evidence than us, but I feel like we can narrow down that timeline a little bit. Yeah. Hear me out. They opened at 10, but the police said they believe it happened after 11, meaning somebody saw or spoke to them shortly before 11, right? Yeah. The owner said he called several times and got no answer, and then he became concerned, and he went to the shop. After not a not-so-quick-and-easy Google search, Um, Once again, making the FBI question everything that they know about me and causing again the need for my search history to be cleared. (laughs) I discovered that a dance in one of these establishments can last anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour. Wow. But the average time is 20 minutes. Yeah, apparently you got to be in real good shape because dancing straight for an hour is crazy. Yeah. The average time, though, is about 20 minutes. The owner would know this, and probably he would wait a certain time between calls. Mm -hmm. So, if he called and didn't get an answer, he probably assumed they were busy with customers. He would wait 20 minutes, call back, right? Yeah. If he didn't get anybody that next time... Either he grows concerned or he goes, oh, maybe the dance is still going. Maybe they got a different customer. He says he called several times, so that's more than two, right? Yeah. Given a a few minutes in between them, and then he has to get ready to leave after he Mm -hmm. does get concerned. And then he has to have the driving time to get there. I'm saying the murders probably happened sometime before one. Yes. Okay, so, and that's speculation for sure, but that gives us a two-hour time frame, right? Mm -hmm. If Streeter's on the phone till 1130, roughly 1130, then that leaves him an hour and a half to get to the store. Yeah, but also, he could have had his mom call her and say, hey, something, I don't know, like, I don't know, keep her on the phone, or, oh, she was asking about your pie recipe or something. Okay, but then that is dependent on both his mom and his girlfriend being willing to to cover for him knowing that he is planning to go kill an ex-girlfriend. So, and it's happened. Gosh. I mean, it, it has happened, but... I don't know. That, that's an awful lot of dependent. But in any case, we know the area where the mom lives, even though we don't know her exact address. And we know where the tannin shop is. So they are about 15 miles apart, but it says it's 30 minutes drive time. Gotcha. So 30 minutes drive time leaves him an hour to get there, commit the murders, and get out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that... The lawyers, yeah, I don't know that the lawyers' thoughts that he would not have had time stands up. And and we're just speculating that it happened before one. I mean, it actually could have happened after giving him even more time. Mm-hmm. The 
his ex-wife testified in court that he did own a knife like the one that was used in the murders. But Streeter says he did not own such a knife. Hmm. Now, this could go to the ex-wife has some... Vendetta? Some bone to pick or... Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of that ex-wives don't like their ex-husbands. So, <laughs> she could have just been like, oh, here's my chance to get rid of this douchebag forever. And, um, you know, or... Honestly, I don't know if I could tell you. If you were like, you know, does Billy own this knife? Uh, I don't know. Ask me about a multi-tool, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> He's forever losing stuff and buying more stuff. So, yeah. who knows? I don't know. I just, unless he was known to carry it, which back in the day, it does seem like men always carried knives because they had the little sheath thing they would put on their belt. They carried knives everywhere now that I'm <laughs> thinking on it. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's a southern thing. I don't know if other men did, but now that I'm thinking on it, I do recall like. Most men carried a knife on their belt, so yeah. maybe. In any case, an, an employee of the tanning salon testified that Streeter had come in to the salon the day before the murders looking for Tiffany. And then when he found out that she was not there, he got mad and stormed out. So here's what we have so far. He did have time to do it, regardless of what his lawyer says. Yeah. His ex says he owned the knife, even though he says he didn't. And somebody else put him at the tanning place the day before looking for one of the victims. So, okay, so the cops may be on to something. Who knows? But in 2017, the DNA was reanalyzed and another sample from under Melissa's fingernails was tested for the first time. Because remember, when these murders happened, DNA was not what it is now. Right. So they did not even test it. So that was tested for the first time. Now, the lab results come back from the first lab and it said that there were no conclusions as far as the knife sheath mm -hmm. and that it had several contributors, meaning there was more than one set of DNA on it. There were several sets of DNA on this knife sheath. Another lab, a different lab, said that Streeter's DNA was, quote, somewhat associated with the knife sheath. Okay. Meaning that this is not a case where you can go, this is 100% his DNA on this knife. It's basically, mm, might be his DNA, might not be his DNA, who knows. We think it could be. So that's not exactly a smoking gun there. Now, his lawyer, Mother's Head, said, isn't that quite a name? Yeah. Mother's Head. That's so weird. His lawyer said that it wasn't a complete sample because it was degraded, and he called it imperfect, an imperfect sample using imperfect technology. And so he felt like it should not have been admitted. Although I have to say, I think the DNA um, saying that he was somewhat connected and the other one saying that they couldn't conclude he was connected and that there were several contributors. I think that helps his case, in my opinion. But, yeah. I mean, what do I know? Now, the fingernail scraping was another story altogether. That sample excluded Streeter as a contributor, meaning he Excuse. was not the one. He was not the one that Melissa scratched. Hmm. Much to Gail's disappointment, in June of 2018, the charges against Streeter were dropped, and that is a super rare occurrence in a double murder case. Um, most of the time, they won't take it to trial unless it's a slam dunk, but they did drop the charges on him, and Gail was not thrilled with that. 
but he was 100% not the one that Melissa scratched, so either he was there with somebody else or it just was not him. Yeah. Now, Mother's Head pointed towards another suspect during the defense of Streeter, a man named David Ewing. David had also dated Tiffany. He was also a man she probably should have avoided. David had been released from jail the day before the murders. Really? Yes. His DNA was tested against the fingernail scraping from Melissa, and he could not be ruled out. To be clear, it was inconclusive, so he could have been the person, or he could not have been the person, but it was not cut and dried, this is not him, like it was with Streeter, because that was cut and dried, this is absolutely not him. So... Ewing could have been the one, or he might not have been the one, but they could not rule him out. Now, perhaps the most damning evidence against him came from a jailhouse informant. This person claimed that David admitted to him that he had killed the girls in the tanning salon. The detective on the case wasn't sold, though. But, again, he was all over Streeter. He even held a big press conference with both the moms in the beginning saying Mm -hmm. that the case was solved, that they had their man. And that was when he arrested Streeter. So he was all in on Streeter. So when this jailhouse informant comes up talking about David, he's like, "Mm, I don't know if I buy it. He maintains that it's not, this is the detective, He maintains that it is not uncommon for an inmate to make allegations that are untrue about other cases. So you have to decide, this is a quote from him, did this person say that or is this other person just saying that they said it? Here's the thing. That was the end of his quote, by the way. Here is the thing, though. Yeah. This jailhouse informant that we don't know if we should trust, it was David's cousin. So this is not just some random dude that said, oh, I shared a cell with him. This is his actual cousin who had committed other crimes with him. Yeah. And he was the one that came forward and said, hey, he told me that he did this. Now, we all know you can't always trust family, but mm-hmm. it, it does make you stop and think. In my opinion, I give more credence to his cousin saying it mm-hmm. than just some random dude in a jail. Yeah. But it didn't sound like the detective did. He felt like um like the cousin couldn't be trusted for whatever reason, but in my personal opinion, I feel like he was all in on Streeter and he didn't really want to look anywhere else because he had made this big declaration yep. that Streeter was the one and if he goes back on that, you know, I think it makes him look bad. And that's why I think that he maybe did not did not want to look this direction. So just an FYI, David has been arrested um, many times, but there are a, a few that are of interest to us. And when I say mm-hmm. many times, I mean many, many times. He has quite an impressive case file. Mm-hmm. One week, almost to the day after... The double murder. Like, literally a week later. Yeah. He was arrested for escaping and evading arrest. What? So, the police tried to pull him over, and he ran. And this was a week after the murders. He was also arrested several times for theft and burglary, including one where he was convicted in 1999. Along with that is aggravated burglary, and he was also convicted of attempted murder and murder. What? Later. 
He went on to be arrested several more times, and in 2019, he was charged with felony sexual battery when he grabbed a corrections officer's ass while he was in the jail. So, in my opinion, uh, David looks pretty good for this. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) In my opinion, I want to look at David. I'm not convinced it's not Streeter, but I want to look harder at David. And I I don't believe that they looked hard enough at him. I don't think they looked hard enough at anybody besides Streeter. Maybe. The building where the tannin salon once stood has been torn down, and Gail has been... advocating changes governing the adult entertainment industry both in Nashville and in the entire state of Tennessee. What she want to change? Streeter, um, the laws regarding who can work there, how they are policed, because um, nobody was really checking in on these businesses mm-hmm. and making sure that they were running the way the rules were stated that they should um for instance you know some clubs you're not allowed to get fully nude or whatever nobody was checking nobody you know if they got fully nude and they weren't supposed to nobody cared if they were trafficking these girls nobody cared the the police were not walking up in there and inspecting to make sure that everything was going the way it was supposed to gotcha and she she felt like this owner was involved in trafficking young girls and that there were a lot of underage girls working there. Now, Melissa and Tiffany were not underage. They were both 18. Mm-hmm. But supposedly there were underage girls working there. If anybody had ever gone in and checked, they would have known that. Yeah. I also right. hope... And I don't know if this is true, but I also hope that they would have put in place that these establishments have to have some sort of security or something in place where you don't have two 18-year-old girls working alone. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense why they were there by themselves. And they don't have any dancers or anything. Right. And I think a lot of times places... um, run a certain way until there's a reason for them to change yeah so it's like you know i've been doing it this way for so long and nothing's ever happened okay but then after something happens then you have to rethink that mentality you Mm. know so um and and like i said i don't know if she advocated for that but I hope so but she did advocate for a lot of changes governing what was allowed what wasn't allowed where they were allowed um because they were up there like the name of that street was church street they were like right there at the church I mean um apparently there were a lot of these type businesses and they were just running wild in Nashville at the time Mm -hmm. and so she she fought to get that changed now, Streeter says that he is thankful for the DNA testing and that he just wanted to restart his life. He says he never should have been charged because it was a disservice to the victim's families because all the evidence that the police had that pointed at him also pointed at David. Now, he doesn't name David, but we know who he meant because he said someone else. But, I mean, dude, we know who you mean. And he's right. All the DNA they had that pointed at him also pointed at David. All the, you know, the fact that he was in the area, so was David. The fact that he had a criminal background, so did David. All of the evidence the police had that pointed towards him also could have been pointed at David the entire time, but they never did. And he felt like the police focusing on him was a disservice to the victim's families because they should have investigated everybody. And yeah. he has a point. He, he has a good point there. They really should have looked at everybody this evidence could be pointed at. I want to say something about Tiffany, just um, in part of this wrapping up. 
she made some bad choices in men and you know maybe in what she was doing for a living but she was not a bad person she had plans she was going to go back to school she had plans to build a good life for herself and some monster robbed her of that chance and she deserves justice on this Tiffany loved her family. She was very close with her mom, and she was super close with her grandmother. In fact, one of the last phone calls she made before she died was to her grandmother just to say that she loved her. For the first few months after Melissa was murdered, Gail had a recurring dream. She would see her daughter walking down the hallway towards her, and her daughter would say, Mama, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. One Sunday, Gail got up. She made her husband breakfast before he left to work, and then she laid back down to try to get a little more sleep before she had to go. And she had that dream again, except for this time, Melissa made it down the hall, and she hugged her so hard that Gail woke up. She called her husband, and she said, Gary, she came to visit me. Melissa was here. And Gary said, Gail, do you know what today is? It's Mother's Day. Oh. This case has not been solved, and Gail has been trying as recently as February of 2023 to have the evidence retested, and that's a good plan because the advancements in DNA testing since even the early 2000s is night and day. So she's fighting to try to get them to retest the evidence, but for some reason, they're not biting. I don't know if it's a money thing or what. She yeah. says that this pain never goes away. And the thought of her daughter being murdered was unfathomable because they had never known anybody who had been murdered. And then it happened to her child. And she will never give up the search for justice for Tiffany and Melissa. So what do you think? Uh, it's a very sad, crazy story. It really was. I get the impression that Melissa and Tiffany grew up very differently, but then they met the same mm -hmm. fate, and it kind of makes you think that it, you know, anything can happen no matter what walk of life you're from. Yeah. And then Gail saying that they had never known anybody who had been murdered, that struck me because you don't know anybody who's been murdered until all of a sudden you do and it comes out of the clear blue yeah. like you can go I don't know anybody who was murdered and then all of a sudden you do and it's like I don't know it's like a punch in the stomach um you know a girl I had been friends with in high school was brutally murdered by her ex-husband in 2011 and her family kind of mm. got justice but I mean no sentence is long enough for what they did like there's literally nothing they could have done to them that would have Wait, been they out? sentence um no they're they're both still in prison but not it she was brutally brutally murdered and i may talk about it someday um even though it's not really a mystery because they are in prison um i'll probably talk about it someday mm -hmm. but it's a super heavy story because she was brutally murdered and um, this was already kind of a heavy story, so I don't really want to, you know, let's move on to something happier. At some point, I probably yeah. will cover it just, you know, it, it's a story, and it's, it's like ones we've told before, and, you know, is it fair to hash everybody else's trauma and then leave mine out of it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So at some point, yeah. we probably will. Um, discuss it but not at the end of this show because this one was pretty rough so yeah okay on a happier note let me tell you what I got I got a notebook and it has a donkey on it and on the donkey it says smart mm -hmm. so it's a smart ass mm -hmm. smart ass <laughs> and so <laughs> so I got this notebook because I love notebooks that's my mm -hmm. weakness and um, so I've been writing whenever something happens. I've been writing it in my notebook. So that's my storytelling notebook for whenever something happens. I'm going to tell you on the show. <laughs> so 
do you got time for a story? Yeah. You got a good ten minutes. <laughs> Alright, so, um... My dogs are raising came for no apparent reason. And he yeah. came in here, got right up under me, and then started yelling for no reason. I mean, really? Okay, so... We were decorating for the 4th of July, right? Yeah. And so we're out there and we're hanging up. My house looks like Uncle Sam blew up in the front yard. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't even know what they're barking about. Anyway, okay. So we're outside. We're decorating. You know, we're putting up our streamers. We got our little gnome USA things. We've got... um everything going up well i got these buntings that go on the front of the house you know the red white and blue and Mm -hmm. they're like half circle shaped and you hang them on the house yeah okay so um we're out there hanging them so i split them up and i hand kayla half and then i take half and i send her to the half with all the bushes and i go to the other half so um I get mine hung up, and then I'm like, well, dang, if she don't hurry up, we're going to have to take them down and decorate for Christmas. And so I'm, <laughs> I walk over there because I'm like, what is taking so long? And so I'm like, what is happening here? And um, she starts trying to explain how one of the hooks, because I, I decorate so much that I have hooks on the front of my house, yeah. and we just leave them up year-round because I decorate year round yeah and um she was like one of the hooks was missing which ironically happened last year too and it was like somebody come through and stole the hooks off the front of the house like that doesn't make any sense wasn't all of them (laughs) it's just some of them we never found them anyway one of the hooks was missing so she's standing here telling me this story right all of a sudden she's just gone and she like i heard her hit the ground but she was standing there and then she was not and so but she's on the other side of the bushes so i can't really see her exactly like i see her through the bushes you know and so i'm looking at her and then all of a sudden i'm looking at the house like she's gone and i'm like oh shit are you okay and uh she's like yeah and so I kind of chuckled a little bit because, you know, people falling is um, is my other weakness because I cannot with people falling. <laughs> so, anyway, so I'm like standing there waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and she'd never, she's never coming back. <laughs> so, I start thinking like... <laughs> You know how you get to a certain age and, like, you got to honestly check in with each body part before you can say you're okay because you don't really know. You got to take stock, right? And, you know, she's pushing 30. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, she may have answered too soon. She may have been like, yeah, I'm fine because she said (laughs) immediately. And now she's down there taking stock and she's like, well, maybe I ain't fine. And so I'm like, you good and she's like yeah and so i'm like i mean do you live there now are you coming back or what's happening because she's like in the ground and um she's like i can't get out i can't get out and so i fall out i mean i am rolling laughing (laughs) so what had happened was my dogs get behind these bushes and they tunnel and they're big bushes and so from the front you can't really see it right but Uh from the back side they done dug a tunnel well I knew they had dug near the steps like a fairly deep hole they like to get in there and lay down and relax right and um so mm-hmm. I knew they had done that, but apparently they had tunneled up like further all the way down the line. And so <laughs> when she was standing there, the ground collapsed out from under like a sinkhole. So she's standing there and all of a sudden the ground is out from under her and she went down hard. <laughs> like I heard her hit. <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh my God, are you okay? But, uh, 
the ground like collapsed out from under and she just went straight to the ground like there was no like stumbling she was just there and gone and so then when she (laughs) fell she was in this hole and so when she's trying to get back out of this hole every time she touches the edge it collapses into the hole and so she can't get out (laughs) Because every time she puts her hand on the edge, the dirt is just collapsing down in the hole with her. So she finally dug out, though. She's good. She ain't, she's still out there living in the bushes. <laughs> oh, Lord. And we got the bunting put up, and the house looks good. So, well, I'm but I was glad. like, uh, I, I died laughing. And then I was like, I hope you know this going on the podcast because that's funny as hell. So I have wrote that in my little notebook to make sure I told you. <laughs> that way, also I can make note because I was like, I can't remember if I told this story or not. Yeah. And then I'm like, I want to tell it twice, but I can't tell because we tell a lot of stories. Plus, did I tell y'all or did I tell somebody else in my life? Because mm-hmm. I did tell that story to somebody else in my life. So then I'm like, mm, I can't recall. So that's why I got my little notebook. I'm pretty excited about it. I never use notebooks. Like I, well, I use notebooks I, I, for everything. Don't know. I don't write. I guess. Oh, I, I I got notebooks for everything. Like I got my notebook for uh for here. I got a notebook for like the research I do to make my notes. Even though I do it on online, I like to write my notes because then I can come back to them. Cause sometimes you think something's not important, but then it is. So I like to be able to come back and revisit that. Like you may see an address and you may think, well, that's not important. I don't need to know that. And then you like, oh, wait, I need to check out this guy's timeline and see if he really could have made it from his mama's house. So you need that. (laughs) So I got that. And then I got one for, um, I got my smart ass one for my stories. And then I got um, one for like my projects, my decorating projects. Mm Mm-hmm. I got one for that. I got notebooks for everything. I got a notebook for like my goals. <laughs> <laughs> I love notebooks. I love a good notebook. My one for my uh, projects for decorating says fables mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. So I like that one. It just says fables. Cause I'm making magic happen with my decorations. I was I was waiting for something to connect that. Fables. I'm making like I'm telling a story. I hear with you. my decorations. Is it cause you used to me saying people are fabulists instead of liars? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. I did this cute thing because I got all these wreaths and I was like, what am I going to do with these wreaths? And I usually hang them on my fence, but I had uh, bought these red, white, and blue eagles <laughs> to go on my fence. Mm-hmm. And so I put them on the fence this time. So I was like, what am I going to do with these wreaths? And so I um, put them up with fishing line in those openings across the front of the porch. So it looks mm-hmm. like they're just floating mid-opening. It looks incredible. I'd send you a picture. Yeah. So, I'm happy with it. Well, I'm glad. Alright, so that's all I got. That's all I got. Alright, so you gonna share the social media stuff? Y'all know our social media? Okay, so, um, actually I don't remember our social media right now. Hold on, let me think. What if somebody's new? Facebook is Unsolved South. Is it podcast or just Unsolved South? Let me go look. It's Unsolved South. We have a Facebook discussion group and we have a Facebook page. Make sure you're sharing, make sure you're um, following both. Um, and we also have Instagram. It's Unsolved underscore South. Yay. Okay. So, um, if anybody's got stories about almost getting murdered or something, y'all let me know. Somebody told me a story the other day, and I was like, listen, you need to clean that up and send it to me so I can put it on the thing. And now I can't even remember who it was. I can't remember their story. (laughs) I can't remember who it was. But somebody told me a story the other day. I was like, you need to tell me so I can uh, put it on the podcast. 
I'm going to have to ask around. Might have been, I think it might have been Kathy, but I can't remember. The, I was like, why have you not told me this when I've been sitting here like begging people to tell me their stories? And yeah, she's like, I come on, people. I know What's going help. on? I didn't think it was, uh, I didn't think it would, I don't know, was, would work or whatever. I can't remember who. I'm pretty sure it's Kathy. I had to ask her. Anyway, I was like, you need yeah. to clean that up and send it to me so I can put it on the podcast. I know I can't even remember nothing that happened, just that it happened. Maybe I dreamed it. You ever dream something and then be like, yeah. did, did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. Anyway. All right. So, this week, is it wrong if I say share us with somebody that has a good tan? <laughs> it's summertime. Okay, we'll do that. Let's do it. Okay, share it with somebody that has a good tan. Bye. Bye. Okay.